So this week we are, this is the fifth Sunday, sorry, fourth Sunday that we're in John 17. Um, the entire chapter of John 17 is Jesus, like, holy, they call it the, the high priestly prayer. Um, it's this prayer that Jesus prays kind of as a bridge between two of his ministries, his discipleship ministry that he had with his disciples, and now he has this prayer that is a bridge to his ministry on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And this prayer bridges the two ministries. He's finished one and is about to go into the other. And at this crucial point, Jesus prays for himself, he prays for his 11 faithful disciples, and he prays for all who will believe through the message of the disciples. So what we call today the church, for all of the church. And that's the passage we're looking at this week where he's now praying for the church at large. And he prays for unity. Unity is an important thing, and it seems to Jesus to be extremely important because it's his main prayer for the global church that is to come, is unity. Now, NBA started last week. Who's excited about that, right? Uh, Nobody, okay. (laughs) NBA starts in October, right? But nobody cares about it until February after the Super Bowl, unfortunately. But I care about it, and I was all excited that NBA started this last week. But LeBron switched to the Lakers because he's chasing titles. Um, A lot of people think LeBron is the GOAT, right, greatest of all time. He's not. We all know it's Jordan, okay? Uh, Let me tell you why Jordan is the GOAT and not LeBron. Because Jordan didn't switch teams to chase titles. Jordan could have beat LeBron one-on-one. I think we all know that's a fact, right? And... Jordan was a team player. Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time, but he won as many titles as he did, even taking two years off in his prime to play baseball. Uh, but he still, had, he still is the greatest of all time because he had a good team around him. Who he, Though he could have, like LeBron, just take the ball most of the time, he still played with Scottie Pippen and stuff really well. He was a team player. And this passage... Jesus wants us all to play ball, okay? Captain uh, Cheesy. Jesus wants us to be unified. And in fact, we're going to see that the message and mission of Jesus Christ is most successful when we work together in unity. There's no um, ball hogs in Christianity. There shouldn't be. This is a team sport. Uh, this is a team um, effort that we have. And Jesus prays for unity. The one thing that he's so you know, concerned about for his global church is that they would be unified. So let's look at this passage. We'll start with verse 20 of chapter 17. Today I'm reading in the NIV. Uh, Jesus prays this. My prayer is not for them alone, speaking of the 11 disciples. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So, last week we did see that Jesus prayed for himself, and then he prayed for his 11 faithful disciples, a very special and specific prayer for them. And we also could learn a lot of things for the global church as well, but at that moment Jesus was praying it over those 11. Uh, Now he's praying for all believers. And it says, who will believe the message of the disciples uh, about Jesus? 
So Jesus entrusted the gospel message to these 11 dudes. After Jesus ascended to heaven, then they added a 12th to replace Judas. But at the time, he entrusts the gospel to these 11 guys, and he commissions them to spread this message across the entire earth. And every single one of us are believers in Jesus Christ today because those 11 were faithful to do what God commissioned them to do. They were faithful to share the message. They were faithful to go out. They were faithful to preach the gospel as far as they could. You look at the geography of where the uh, 12 died, and you can even look at where Paul and all them, they clearly went as far as they could from Jerusalem. They tried to reach what at that time was known as the world. They didn't know about some of the continents that we know about right now. But so they tried to go as far as they possibly could. And you can see that by their deaths where they died. It's pretty interesting. They were faithful to it. Jesus, you know, after his ministry, preaching to 20,000 maybe at a time, multiple times preaching in Jerusalem, in in Galilee, um, and even to Samaritans, and seeing many, many people say that they believed that he was the Messiah, that they, they believed that he was the promised one. At the end, it's only 11 guys that he can really trust this message to. And this was his plan A, right? Like his plan A was, you 11, I'm going to entrust this heavy burden, this this important burden to bring about a global church just from you 11. That's crazy to me. But each one of us today has the same commission as followers of Jesus to share the gospel to preach to all those who are lost. Um, and Jesus is looking to us to, to f- obey that command, that commission. So as I was looking at this, you know, just this first part of the prayer, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. I was just thinking, like, I am so glad that those disciples understood the weight of the responsibility that Jesus gave them. And I don't think that we often understand the same weight of that commission that each one of us has. We think it's optional because there's a bigger team now. But, you know, as we're talking about unity, Paul says that every member of the body is there for a reason. None of the Christians in the world are useless to Jesus and useless to his mission. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a part of a team. There are no ball hogs. There's not supposed to be superstars. This is supposed to be a team effort, a global team effort. And so we need to feel the same weight of the responsibility that Jesus gave these 11, that you have a responsibility to spread the gospel, this message, throughout the world. Let's keep reading verse 21. He prays that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So he goes from the disciples um, spreading this message and we believing in this message that the disciples taught. And he prays that we would be unified in the same unity that Jesus and the Father share. That's profound to me. That we can have a relationship that looks like the relationship between the Father and the Son. 
It's almost hard to believe, isn't it? But the closeness, the, the community within the Trinity is the same divine community that we have been invited into. To be one with the Father, with the Son, and with all of the church. We are invited into relationship with the Holy Triune God and His Holy Church. And that means that His, this community, this relationship that we have with one another is based upon the community of Jesus and the Father, right? So it's not uh, just uh, any other unified movement. It's not that we're, you know, unified on common interests or a common goal or shared hobbies. I mean, we could be unified on other things, but we're unified on a divine, in a divine relationship that we all share with the Father and the Son. I think that's pretty cool. This isn't, this isn't like any other organization in the world where we're unified on a goal or even just a mission or common interest. We are unified in divine relationship. And that's an important difference. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. So he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. And then again, that they may be one as we are one. He hits on unity again. He hits on unity again. But what does it mean that he gave us the glory that he has? What does it mean that Jesus gave us the same glory that he has? Is it glory in being a part of the Holy Church of God? Is it glory in unity experienced with other believers? Is it glory in spreading the message of Jesus Christ? It's probably all of these in part, but I believe it is talking about the glory in manifestation. Jesus, is, as you guys remember, we've talked about in the last few weeks, Jesus was the perfect manifestation of God's name, his character, and his attributes. Right? So Jesus represented God the Father perfectly. And it's in that that Jesus has glory on earth. He was the perfect manifestation of God. So when he's praying for us to share in this same glory that he has, I believe that Jesus is praying that we will represent God well. That we will manifest God's name and character properly. And in that, we share in the glory of Jesus Christ when we manifest God's character and name properly. When we say that we're Christians, I don't know who that is, but hello? (laughs) Come on in. Howdy. <laughs> Come on in. We got chairs over here. Yeah, we just got started. That's fine. Yeah. I was even early to the rock. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. No problem, man. You're welcome. What's your name? Ben. Ben? Nice to meet you. Steven. Uh, so we're talking about John 17. Uh, we're in verse uh, 20 through the end of the chapter there. So. 
as I was saying, when we say that we're Christians, we are carrying the name of Christ. We're carrying, we're supposed to be carrying um, the character of God. We're supposed to represent God well. So when Jesus is talking about glory here, he's telling us that we need to be representing God well, and in that we share in the glory of Jesus. So verse 23, in them, I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. So he hits on unity again. You guys seen the theme that I said was here? He hits on unity again. He says, I and them and you and me. So they may be brought to complete unity. Jesus' heart for the global church, his body, is unity. Complete unity. And then he says that the result of this unity is the world will know that you sent me. So the world will know that Jesus was sent by the Father when the church is unified. And the world will know that God loves them. The same love that God the Father has for the Son. Because we're His body. So, we are invited in as believers into the love that the Father has for the Son. We're invited into the relationship that the Father and the Son share. And it's in this we have complete and perfect unity. Christians aren't just supposed to think similarly. We're not just supposed to be um, nice to each other. Community is about unity in mission and unity in the shared love of the Father. It's a lot deeper than just being a part of a nice organization. It's a lot deeper and more spiritually significant than being a part of a club. And in this, we represent Jesus so well, we represent the character of God so well that people will know that Jesus, in fact, was sent by God. Our unity and community that we share is the most powerful part of the message of the gospel, and it is what will cause people to want to be a part of it and believe that Jesus, in fact, was sent by the Father. Verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. So Jesus desires us to know who he is, not just in part, but in whole. Being a Christian today, believing in the gospel today, is not about just following a humble servant from 2,000 years ago. It's not about following a wise rabbi's teachings. It's not um, listening to and, and reading clever teachings from this guy, Jesus. It's not even just saying that we follow some radical prophet from 2,000 years ago who was right about a lot of stuff. And it's not even about a political Messiah, though some have said that's all that Jesus was. We have been invited to see Jesus in all of his glory. And in fact, that's Jesus' heart. That we wouldn't just know him as a good teacher or a radical prophet 
or a political figure, but that we would see Jesus in all of his glory. That's what Jesus wants for us as a church. So what is Jesus in all of his glory? Well, he's the creator and sustainer of the universe. He's a part of the holy triune Godhead. He wants us to see who he was before the creation of the world, not just who he was while he walked on the earth. He wants us to see him in all of his glory. So the Jesus we worship isn't just the humble servant. It's not just the lamb. We also worship the lion that we see in Revelation. We, we worship the one who has a sword coming from his mouth and, and has the power over life and death, over heaven and hell, over all of creation. This is the Jesus we worship. Jesus' heart for his church was not that they would simply follow his teachings, not that they would simply see him as a prophet, but they would see him in all of his power and glory. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So John 17, verse 25 and 26, we'll close this passage up. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So we see continued um, prayer for unity. We see that Jesus came to the earth for a mission that they would know him and the Father. And it says here that Jesus says he's still on mission. The mission hasn't stopped. The work hasn't stopped. He still is in the process of having people come to know him and know the Father. And this is ultimately what we're unified around. So as we've looked at this passage, I identified five things that Jesus wants Christians to be unified on. He wants, number one, the church to be unified in message. Number two, in heavenly relationship. Number three, in love. Number four, in the presence of God. And number five, that we are witnessing the glory of Jesus. The church is not always unified, is it? It's unfortunate. And I don't think that there's anything that breaks Jesus' heart more than that. That for his own body to be ununified, to be arguing over stupid things. Now, if you've ever tried to be in unity with a group of imperfect people, you know why it's difficult, right? <laughs> you know why it's difficult. Because we don't agree easily. We don't agree easily. And we all make mistakes. And we all hurt one another. We all even look at Scripture and come to different interpretations and at times take our interpretations a little too seriously and divide over those things. But Jesus is praying in this transitionary trans, I can't say the word right is that right? transitionary? okay, I did get it right don't doubt yourself Stephen, be confident uh, <laughs> in this moment where he's 
transitioning from one ministry to another, the heart of it is that I want the church to be unified. I'm going to lay my life down for them. I'm going to take on their sin. I'm going to take on all of the disgusting things that we've all done. He bears all of our burdens, not just your burden, not just my burden, all of our burdens together in one moment. He was unified in the sin of the world. Like he took the unified sin of the world upon himself and then he's praying that because of that we will be unified. And then we see in these five things, message, heavenly relationship, love, presence, and witnessing the glory of Jesus. Not secondary doctrines there, are there? Not preference in worship. Not preference in music. Not preference in Bible translation. That's not what we're to be unified in. What are we to be unified in as the Holy Church of God? Jesus. And more simply, the things that he prays for. Message, heavenly relationship, love, presence, and witnessing the glory of God. So what is the purpose to all this? Well, he said it several times in this passage. He said, so that they will know that you sent me. The unity of the church is directly correlated to the success of our mission. A disunified church will not be successful in mission. And the church globally will be more successful in mission the more unified we are together. The more we break apart, the less successful we are in bringing people to Jesus. Why? Because we preach about unity and then they come in and they see a bunch of disunity. Because it makes us look hypocritical. We said that he died for the sins of the world except for that other denomination. We really don't like them. Of course we don't say that with our, our words, but we might say it with our actions. So when you bash other churches, you are actually hurting the mission of Jesus Christ. Now, There are some groups that carry the name of Christianity that do not believe any of the essential doctrines of Jesus Christ. His divinity. Some even question uh, the fullness of the work of the cross. That that is is enough. But listen, if somebody believes in the divinity of Jesus Christ and they believe in the power of the work of the cross and his resurrection... We need to try to be unified with them no matter what. Even if you hate the way they do their music. Even if you hate some of their secondary doctrines and you think they're so dumb, right? You're like, man, how could you possibly read the same scriptures I'm reading and come to that conclusion, you moron? But that's how churches have divided. That's how we have so many denominations. Because we take all of these secondary things and we elevate them to a point where, where Jesus would have never wanted. Because he wants us unified in mission, in heavenly relationship, in love, in his presence, and witnessing the glory of Jesus. So how do we be unified with people we completely disagree with on so many things? Humility. Humility. We're going to see that in a minute. Yeah, we have to be unified. So Peter and Paul both said this. Peter in his epistles says, finally, this is the final word, all of you 
Have unity in mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Peter's like, hey, I've said a lot of stuff here. But finally, hey, please be unified and treat each other well. Paul says this, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Paul says that when he looks at this church in Philippi, he says, nothing's going to complete my joy except for your unity. I want you to be unified, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Well, we can't all be of one mind in preferential things. We can't all be of mind of secondary doctrines. Some of my closest friends disagree with me on secondary doctrines. <laughs> you know? So if I can't be in one mind with them, if my goal is to be in one mind in preference and secondary doctrine, I can only be in one mind if we're making the focus the types of things that Jesus was praying for in his prayer, which is in heavenly relationship message, presence of God, and that we would see his glory together. So let's look at this longer part of this passage in Philippians where Paul's writing. So if there is this is Philippians 2, 1 through 5. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So Paul starts out, hey, if you've experienced any love of Jesus, like if you've experienced grace at all, any encouragement, if you've participated in the Holy Spirit at all, Right? So he's trying to call to all Christians who really have felt something, who've experienced something. He says, then complete my joy by being unified. And then he tells us how. Right? He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. So how do we be unified as a church? By doing nothing of selfish ambition or conceit. And instead... He tells us, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Have you ever tried to do that? It is going to really fight against your flesh, right? Because your flesh will not naturally do that. Not To not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Where do we get this sort of example? From none other than the one who we carry his name. Right? So to say that we're Christian is not just to agree to certain theological beliefs, 
It's to be in unity with his body, following his example of treating others better than yourself, putting them ahead of yourself, not being selfish, but instead being humble, not being a taker, but rather being a giver, not always being concerned with what you need, but being concerned with the other's need. That's a more complete picture of what it means to be a Christ follower, isn't it? It's easy to subscribe to a certain theological framework. It's easy to check that box. I believe. It's a lot harder than to start working with people who are different than you. Loving people who don't always love back. Being selfless when they're being selfish. Always giving and feeling like nobody's giving back. But this was the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus poured himself out during his ministry for thousands and thousands and thousands. He healed and he healed and he healed and he taught and he taught and he taught and he touched lepers and he, and he, he healed the deaf and he restored sight for the blind. And at the end, there's only 11 dudes and even those guys are going to bail on him. So if Jesus came to take, he's not leaving with anything, is he? What did Jesus get out of it? He came to give and give and give and give and give and give and give. You know what he did take? He took all of our sin, <laughs> which is not a good deal. Jesus, you got to learn the art of the deal. President Trump will teach you. <laughs> So, I don't want to just complete Paul's joy. I want to complete our Heavenly Father's joy, the Holy Son's joy. Because we see that Jesus' heart is that we would be unified. So listen, next time you want to bash another church, don't. Give grace. Give humility. Next time you look at a Christian and you see their imperfection and you want to criticize them and question their motives and so forth, don't. Show them the same grace that Jesus shows you every single day. Because what you're doing when you bash other Christians and other churches is you are harming the effectiveness of our global mission. Being ununified or spreading disunity is a disease within the Christian church that we are constantly fighting and need to be eradicating. We need to be unified. And it's going to be difficult to work um, <laughs> with all the different types of people, but I believe that Jesus wants us to work with Everyone who believes that Jesus is the divine Son of God and took the sins of the world. You know, as I, I read this and I, I teach this, I know in my own heart I can be too critical of other movements sometimes. Or you see, God, you see them 
you know, you see a social media post and you go, oh man, I, I, just their style or their wording there just rubs me the wrong way a little bit. And I have to go, you know what? They're preaching Jesus. I need to celebrate it. They're reaching the lost. I need to celebrate it. How dare I be critical of, of God's body moving throughout the world to lead the lost to know Jesus? You know, my wife is awesome. She's not perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. And if I heard any of you bashing my wife, we're going to have a problem, right? Like, if I hear any of you talking bad about my wife, like, I'm going to be coming for you, (laughs) right? We are the bride of Christ. That's how Jesus sees his bride. He goes, I know it's not perfect. I'm working on it, (laughs) right? He's working on it. Don't criticize them, though. Pray for them. Don't gossip about them. Lovingly talk to them about their, the areas that you see they need to grow. And I just, I wonder, like, when we criticize other Christians, I just wonder how, like, Jesus responds to that. If it, it must infuriate him. He goes, Really? Like, I know what you did this last month. <laughs> like, I know the thoughts that you think. You really want to be that critical? You, do you really want to be that hypocritical? So let us learn to be humble and put others first and try our very best to be in unity with all believers. If there is disunity, let it not be because of us. Sound good? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to die for our sins, to give us new life, the worst deal. (laughs) A deal that none of us would have taken if we were in your shoes, God. But you loved us so much that you took all of our sin and the penalty for that sin Jesus, you took it all on that cross. Father, you gave up your son in that moment for us. The perfect manifestation of your character. The only one who ever represents you perfectly. And you made the sacrifice for us. Lord, I pray that we would see other Christians as valuable because of the purchase you made for them. That we would start to see people not just for their flaws, but for their holy value that you placed on them when you purchased them by your blood. Help us to not be critical. Help us to not be judgmental. Help us to be unified. to be loving in the way we speak of others, to be loving in the way that we um, approach others. Lord, help each one of us in this community and in the community at large throughout the world to put others first, to be givers, not takers. Help us represent 
not just your theology well, not just doctrine well, but your character well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a scene.